Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. My guest today is Alana Gottlieb, a former litigator who transitioned into business, specifically healthcare business, after leaving law practice. She's currently the Strategic Alliances Program Director at Depew Signs, a medical device division of Johnson & Johnson. Ilana tells us about how she managed family expectations about her career, rebounded after being laid off, and found a corporate job where she feels she has purpose, the ability to direct her career development, and a comfortable work-life balance. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Hi, Ilana. Welcome. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really Absolutely. appreciate it. Um, okay, so uh, I'd love to just start by hearing a little bit about what got you on the track towards law school in the first place. Sure. So um, grew up um, in an immigrant family, and like most good um, Russian Jewish children, I was supposed to be a doctor. So when of I course. went to college, I went to Penn undergrad. That was kind of the plan for me. My parents had laid out, you know, you were going to get some sort of science, preferably engineering degree. That was really mm-hmm. the plan because, of course, you have to have some practical skills. <laughs> and after yeah. I got that degree, I would go on to med school and, and there would be the rest of my life. Um, started out in college, um, figured out pretty quickly that I hated biology. I hated all those sorts of classes. I kind of agreed to their plan because I thought that that's just kind of what you do because that's what I always did was agree to their plan. And so started down that path and realized pretty quickly that, that sciences and those sorts of classes were not for me. Came home one day and I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to be pre-med anymore. And it was kind of World War III in our house. It was, what are you going to do with your life? You're going to end up working fast food. Like, how do you not have any sort of plan? Um, And it was a really difficult couple of years. Um, I started taking other classes. I started figuring out what do I like doing? um, What do I enjoy? And I think it was less about kind of the subjects and more about just kind of who my personality was. And so, you know, pretty quickly, probably into maybe sophomore year, maybe junior year, I figured out that, you know, maybe law school would be a good fit. Um, Fortunately for law school, you don't really need to have any prerequisites. You can obviously major in anything um, and kind of go down that path. So that's kind of what very quickly pivoted me um, to law school. So were were your parents hugely disappointed? They were hugely disappointed. (laughs) And so it was very funny as I remember, you know, senior year of graduation, I remember my grandpa saying to me, he's like, so, you know, Alana, is it still too late for you to go to med school? And I said, you know, I I haven't taken any of those classes, grandpa, and I haven't taken the exam. So it's probably going to be pretty hard for me. I'm really sorry. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I started law school and I think it, it actually took a really long time for my parents to say, you know what, maybe this was actually the right path. Maybe this was a better fit for her. It was still definitely a very, um, big pill for them to swallow because I think, you know, med school and something like that has a much more clear trajectory. You know, you go to med school and then you become a doctor and then you practice as a doctor for 30 years. And that's just kind of what you do. I think they didn't know a lot of lawyers. They didn't really know what that job was. You know, we had tons of doctors in our family. Um, so there was some, some precedents some analogs there, but with lawyers, it was like, well, what do you then do with the rest of your life? And so I think that was kind of the beginning of this very big open-ended question right. of <laughs> what is she going to do with the rest of her life? Right. And, you know, fast well, forward 15 yeah. years, we're still I figuring know. it out. I know. <laughs> so. the, irony, the irony is that I would normally say that law school also seems like it has a fairly straightforward trajectory. Right, right. <laughs> but here I am doing a podcast talking to people who have gotten off of that trajectory. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, I've, I've heard that, I think that's a common story for the children of immigrants, that there's a pretty strong idea about the types of work that you should do. And it's not a long list. Uh, that's <laughs> correct. That's correct. You know, lawyer was kind of shoved onto the bottom of that list. It was yeah. kind of doctor, accountant, you know, yeah. something financial services. Yeah. Uh, but they've since, you know, expanded it maybe a little bit. <laughs> nice. So then you went to law school. How did you like law school? What did you focus on in law school? 
Yeah. So um, after graduating from Penn, I went straight on to Temple University. So also in Philadelphia, didn't venture too far from home (laughs) for graduate school either. Um, And actually really enjoyed most of law school. Um, Really enjoyed litigation, everything having to do with torts, debate, kind of those sorts of more um, cerebral topics, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, enjoyed criminal law, civil procedure, things like that. I liked learning about the past, how it's applicable, how you figure out differences and similarities to court cases. I just kind of enjoyed that process of it. Um, Bankruptcy was annoying. You know, those classes (laughs) were just annoying. I was like, does this have anything to do with my life? I don't want to practice any of this. I don't really get it anyway. Um, And so definitely, you know, had challenges with things like tax law and those sorts of things. Um, But in general, I, I enjoyed school. You know, I think I'm one of those weird people that just kind of likes, likes school, likes classes. I liked the Finite. I think you're in good company with yeah, lawyers. Absolutely. I, think I think there's a little like nerd <laughs> to all of us. Yeah, I, um, I call it, that's where I start this by calling everyone my fellow nerds because in law school, a friend of my I we started just using that term with each other, kind of as just a greeting or a term of endearment. Now yes. I just use it to describe anyone who went through this experience of law school. <laughs> yes, agreed, agreed. I liked kind of the the finite period of school, you know, you have a semester and you have a beginning and an end and you get a folder. And, you know, there was something about that that I just always really enjoyed. Um, And so I, I liked law school, you know, I think I was surrounded by people who were like, Oh, this is the worst time of my life. And you have kind of this competitive complaining that goes on all the time. And I, you know, I don't know. I just kind of enjoyed the process. I, I did find it challenging that there was the hyper competitiveness from day one uh, for seemingly kind of arbitrary things and, and grades seemed a little bit arbitrary and how people found internships seemed a little bit arbitrary. Um, but other than that, I actually kind of enjoyed school. Just a little weird. No, I don't think it's weird. And actually having now spoken to a number of people on this topic, I'd say the vast majority of people enjoyed law school for the most part. Mm. Um, you know, I think there is actually, as it turns out, even if you didn't think it through, some sort of reason why we all were drawn to law school in the first place, because mm-hmm. school actually did appeal to us. Um, so did you do the whole summer associate thing? Did you know when you were coming out what you were going to do? Um, yeah, so, you know, I kind of gravitated towards litigation, I think, naturally. Um, I did a summer internship at a firm um, in Philadelphia, kind of a boutique litigation firm, um, and ended up getting an offer for them, <clears throat> excuse me, from them after graduation. So that's kind of where I stayed uh, for the next few years. <clears throat> I was definitely not in the top, you know, 10% of my class, you know, that top 10% gets recruited, <clears throat> excuse me, to yeah. the big law firms. You know, I was not I, either. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I, I fell below that. I feel like if you weren't in that top ten percent, everyone is kind of the same after that, right? Yeah. You know, you go to one of those top fifteen firms, but everyone else kind of normalizes after that. Um, enjoyed my summer internship. I think I found very quickly, as most people do, is that law school really doesn't do very much to prepare you for for actually being a lawyer. You don't yeah. learn a lot of practical skills. Um, I think yeah. you learn how to think. You learn how to research. Um, you learn strong work ethic. Um, but it's not like, you know, three years into practice, I was like, ah, yes, I remember this from my torts class. Right. There isn't a lot of that to kind of fall back on. Um, in the, in the defense of law schools, because I work at one, um, (laughs) (laughs) they, I think compared to when you and I may have been in law school, they, the message has been heard. If if anything, from legal employers going, you got to you got to get these people to know how to do something. Yeah, yeah. Because you come out with like no practical skills whatsoever. Yeah. So like, at least where we are, there's an actual skills requirement. You have to take a courses. So that is all to say that I think that, you know, law schools are probably slightly better than they were. But isn't it funny that that class is called, you know, skills class or whatever it is. And it's like two credits that you have to have out (laughs) out of your entire three years. Yeah, exactly. It's a little funny about that. No, it's, it's. This is a whole other conversation about sort of, do you really need three years of law school Mm. classes? Would you do better to have some sort of apprenticeship? But, you know. Like you would would be nervous if your doctor got like a B in his skills class. And that's the only skills class that he had in all of medical school. (laughs) Very true. Very true. (laughs) 
Yeah, so we all come out basically needing to learn how to actually be lawyers. Uh, correct. <laughs> yes, correct. But but you learn that stuff, you know, pretty quickly in, in whatever you do. You know, I started at this yeah. litigation firm and and you learn how to do your research and you learn how to write briefs and right. uh, work with clients and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, so I graduated um, Temple, went back to that law firm and actually ended up staying in there for the entire, what I would call my legal practice. Um, all you know, four or five years was actually at the same firm. Yeah. That that I was four years at my firm too. That's a solid, solid amount of time, I think. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> to then pivot. <laughs> yes. So what area specifically were you practicing in? Because it seemed like it perhaps played into where you went after that. Yeah. So it was um it was all litigation. We mostly did defense work. So we mm-hmm. had a lot of um, you know, representing big Big companies. I'm about to start like naming names, which I probably shouldn't do. But uh, <laughs> uh, big companies in uh, malpractice, uh, whether it was legal malpractice, whether it was medical malpractice, um, yeah. I ended up actually gravitating towards a lot of the healthcare work. Um, mm-hmm. So I did a lot of medical malpractice, products liability. I just always found the healthcare piece to be really interesting, really challenging. I felt like if I could kind of learn that lingo and speak that lingo, that I should be able to litigate any sort of other case, you know, if you can kind of become a mini expert, um, in that field of medicine, um, for that period of time, six months, 12 months, whatever it is that Mm -hmm. I could be able to do something else after that. And that actually proved to be true. Um, so that's actually, uh, the type of work that I ended up doing for, for the most part. Yeah. And it sort of tapped into your previous, you know, route (laughs) down the med medical school path. If, If you could even call it that, (laughs) <laughs> um, but yes, there was at least a, a little iota of that. So how did you start thinking, okay, I'm doing this, this is fine. Where, where did your thought process start with, hmm, I don't know if I want to do this. I'm not sure I want to do it here. Sort of tell us how that went for you. Yeah. So I was, you know, at my firm for a few years, um, we didn't have a lot of young associates. There was kind of a big gap between like, here you have everybody's a partner and then you had us young associates. And I was kind of looking around and, you know, all of my friends were lawyers, you know, every night we'd go out for happy hour, dinner, events, you know, everything was just lawyers. And I was like, man, there are a lot of lawyers in Philadelphia (laughs) and they are all miserable people. And, you know, I feel like when you kind of surround yourself, you, you know, I kind of mentioned like the competitive complaining. Mm -hmm. I felt like it kind of turned into that every night. Every night became this, like, here's how hard I work and here's how much I build and and here's how late I stayed up. And it became this kind of badge of honor. Um, And I was looking around and I was like, man, there, there has to be more. Maybe all of my friends just suck. Maybe I need to make some new friends. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's just this group. Um, And I started meeting more people and, you know, yes, you had some people who absolutely loved what they did and it was a really perfect fit for them. But, you know, I just found it to be very very challenging. It was kind of like this very toxic environment that I was in. And maybe it was because it was a whole bunch of litigators. I don't know, but, and people trying to prove themselves, but I started thinking, you know, is this, is this it? Is there more? Um, and so I started kind of trying to learn a little bit more about kind of the different, different parts of the law, right? Like maybe, maybe there was another part that would be more interesting to me. Um, so I started kind of trying to learn more about the parts of the law, And then also just about the different personalities as well. I was kind of looking around and at my firm, we had almost no women. We had only two female partners. Um, Both of those women were not married, didn't have families, Um, which is fine. That's, you know, every, everyone has a choice and everyone, you know, sets out their life the way that they want. But for me, I knew that eventually I wanted um, to have a family. Eventually I wanted free time, which there wasn't too much of and I just kind of looked around and I said you know what if I do want that you know maybe litigation isn't isn't the way so I started thinking about you know how can I kind of take my skills and, and build on them so I thought you know what if I what if I go in-house what if I go in-house for like a pharmaceutical company medical device company you know something like that maybe kind of yeah. change one variable there right so I started kind of interviewing and pursuing that path and I realized that most of those roles were were really boring um, and like very administrative in nature, kind of farming out the interesting work, like to the firm that I was working at. And I was like, shoot, maybe, maybe this isn't it either. And so yeah. I was kind of looking around and I was, you know, four years, you know, almost five years in. And I felt like I was kind of at this crossroads of, you know, what do I do? Um, 
everyone was in the same kind of situation of we're like, you know, we're, we're enough years in that we feel like we're really invested. You know, yeah. at that time, partnership track was like probably seven years, you know, eight years on the slow side, six years if you were like a superstar, right? Yeah. So it's kind of this point where you're like, I'm either in it or I need to make a change. Um, and it's hard when you've invested that much time to just be like, eh, I'm going to go to another firm Eh, I'm going to try something new. So I felt like it was kind of this, this decision point for most of us who'd been practicing for that period of time. Um, I also kind of on a personal front, um, felt a little bit antsy. I had always lived in Philadelphia. Like I grew up in Philadelphia, went to undergrad, went to law school, um, never really, um, stretched my wings or whatever the expression is, um, and I'd always kind of been thinking about, you know, maybe now's the time to move. I'm single. Um, and I'd been thinking about make, maybe <laughs> making a geographic change as well. Um, this sounds awfully familiar. To oh, me. It's, how interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, on this personal front was also grappling with like, all right, well, do I change the variable of the work, but stay in Philadelphia? Do I keep the work that I'm doing the same, but change the variable of where I live? Kind of, kind of what do I do? Um, I am a generally risk averse person kind of by nature. Um, and so it was, it was hard for me to make those decisions. I would kind of start, you know, dipping my toe into looking and talking to recruiters and then kind of back off a little bit. You know, I didn't really have anything that, that was pushing me, um, to make that sort of decision. Right. Um, and it's, it's hard. It's hard. (laughs) It's, it's absolutely hard. Um, and then what makes it easier is if one day you get laid off and that's exactly what happened to me. Oh um, yeah, that's the best. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it's the worst, but also the best. <laughs> and so I one I day, mean, I, say it, I say that you know facetiously. Like, abso- I know oh, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, one day I got called in, and and that was that. And it this was beginning of two thousand nine. Yeah. So, you know, writing was on the wall. This was happening everywhere around me. It was happening at big firms. Yeah. It was happening at small. I mean, it was happening everywhere. You know, people graduated. Every day. You go in and go, oh, so-and-so's not that's, anymore. That's absolutely right. You know, I was yeah. hearing it from people who had just graduated school who weren't able to find jobs after graduation. You know, people yeah. were basically working as like entry-level, um, I, don't, I don't want to use the word clerk, but almost like entry-level interns coming out of law school right? Coming out of great law schools and just not able to find jobs. So, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I, I get that call and I get called in and, you know, it's like everybody else's story, right? First page looks the same, you know, boss is there, HR is there. Um, and that was that. And I was totally floored. I felt like somebody like punched me in the gut. Um, I walked out that day and I just, I was totally floored. I like didn't know what yeah. to do with myself. And I remember calling my mom on the way home. Um, and if, if you knew my mom, this would make sense because I remember this to this day, but she said, all right, you have one day to cry, go home. Today is going to be that day. Go treat yourself to a nice dinner. Today is going to be the day where you get to cry. And then tomorrow we'll come up with a plan. Um, wow. And that's like exactly, yeah. And that's, you know what, that's exactly what happened. I gave myself yeah. that day to cry. Yeah. And, um, and then quickly kind of moved gears. And she said, you know what, everything happens for a reason. It sucks. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. It's going to be okay. Um, and, and she's not like a, a cheery, bubbly person, but she is a, well, you mentioned she was Russian. Yeah, 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 exactly. That doesn't really, you know, drive like the, they think Riley makes you look stupid. Yeah. (laughs) You know, she, um, you know, she's, she's not the warm and fuzzy, like, let me come give you a hug and tell you everything's okay. But she's like the we're going to get our act together. We're going to put a plan and everything's going to be fine. Sort of mom. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Um, it's, it's funny because I, you know, as I go into interviews and I meet people and I do things, you know, as I, as I tell them about my kind of career past and history, I usually admit the little part about me getting laid off. Um, and I say, yeah. well, here's why I switched gears and here's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, I think for a lot of us in that particular era of being lawyers, it's such a common story yeah. that everyone, it's almost not, you don't even have to explain it. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it's it's kind of funny, but, uh, you know, for me, it was a, it was a big turning point. Um, I felt like what was really challenging for me was like, that was my identity. Um, when people ask you like, what do you do or who are, I'm a lawyer. That's what I do. You can, you can give an answer in one sentence. You know, people might not understand like, oh, what is corporate law or, you know, what does a family attorney do? But like, you kind of get it right. Like you kind of have a picture in your mind. Um, 
of who a lawyer is and, you know, give or take a little bit, but, but people kind of get it. Um, and I felt like that was very difficult for me to let go. Um, you know, at the time I was single, you know, I wasn't married and I didn't have kids. So like that, that's who I was. Um, and I didn't have anything else to kind of cling on to. So I think that was probably the hardest part for me, you know, walking away and thinking about like, what do I do next? Um, the good news is, I think that's a big thing for all of us, right? Because not only is it this job that makes sense to people, but it's a job that you put a lot of time and effort Absolutely. to get to. Yeah. And then particularly if you feel the rug was pulled out from below you, it's it's a lot to digest. Yeah, exactly. And so it's kind of like this immediate loss of kind of the identity and, you know, for, for what it's worth, the prestige and, you know, some of that that goes along with it. And so I, I definitely grappled with that, you know, even as I was, you know, coming up with a new plan and kind of what does the next chapter look like? Um, I would say that that was definitely a hard, a hard thing for me. Um, so you were thinking, you were thinking at that point of, you you felt like you had explored the options within the practice of law enough at that point before you had been laid off that you knew when you were planning the next step at that point, you were just not thinking about legal jobs. You know, I, I feel like I knew enough about what options were out there, right. And what options Mm -hmm. I, with my, you know, five ish years of experience could then do. And what could I do? I could go work for another firm, Mm -hmm. um, that everybody else was trying to get a job at at the same time. Yeah. And so I, I really thought, how do I differentiate myself? How do I make myself more valuable, whether it's right now or in a couple of years from now, to kind of set myself up for success? Uh, because right now, if the if the pool is shrinking, and if we're all trying to swim in that pool, it's going to be just as hard. And at the end of the day, am I really going to be happy doing what I was doing just at a new place? Um, and so that's kind of what I was what I was trying to think through. And so I think ultimately, you know, I made the decision to go back to school. So I mentioned, I, you know, love school, um, yeah. made the decision to go back and get my MBA. Um, it's not, and what made you think MBA versus anything else as someone who also decided to go back. To school. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. Like I wasn't going to go get a PhD. I yeah. wasn't going to med school. Um, you know, I thought that probably with kind of my skill set that I had at the point and kind of the exposure that I had to, to big businesses and corporations, I thought maybe this would be kind of an interesting way to, to build the skill set. At the time, I didn't know anyone who had a JD MBA. There weren't that many programs that even offered JD MBA. So it's not like there was just a lot of people coming out who had that knowledge base. Um, but I thought, you know, maybe this was, you know, kind of a, something that I could do um, in part to, to buy myself some time. You know, I think part of it was was very strategic, but part of it was very much like, what the heck is going to be going on in the next year or two? And how do I try to insulate myself from that a little bit? Um, so the next few months were a, a mad scramble. So this was kind of end of January, beginning of February. So think about, I mean, you're, you're at a university, right? Or institution. Think about what, what cycles of admissions look like. There's not a lot going on in January and February. So basically over the next three months, I crammed for the GMAT. I took one of those like crash course Kaplan GMAT classes. I crammed for the GMAT and I started filling out business school applications. And I was like, you know what, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it for this fall. I could have certainly waited another year, but then I was like, what am I going to do for that year? I'm either going to go get a job, in which case my motivation for moving out will probably drop, or I'm going to go like work at Starbucks for a year, which I didn't really want to do. So I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe I just do it now. And so it was totally crazy. Um, but that's what those next few months looked like. So it was, it was GMAT, it was applications. Um, as you can imagine, not a lot of schools were even accepting applications come, you know, March, April. Um, and so I was really looking at schools that kind of offered something within the healthcare space because I, I knew that I wanted to stay within healthcare. I thought that that was both really interesting. And I thought that that would also kind of be a niche Right. Yeah. Um, and so I was looking at schools that had some sort of, you know, health healthcare program. Was it was it an MBA? I also considered um, an MHA, which is like a master's of health administration. So I started yeah, looking at I, that a little bit. Um, but as you can imagine, my research period <laughs> was pretty was, truncated. Right. Um, you know, it was pretty short. It was like, all right, I have kind of a, a week or two <laughs> to yeah. figure this well, out. And it kind of makes sense. I've had friends that went on to get an MHA or an MPH or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. more policy-based, I, I guess. Um, but 
in some ways an MBA is just more flexible. Yes. Agreed. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Agreed. So that's kind of what, what drove me mostly to, um, to MBA programs. So that's what those next few months looked like. It was basically a scramble and, and which schools were still taking applications and who could I get into. And, you know, I was lucky enough that I got into a few good schools. Um, and one obviously is the one that I ended up going to, um, which is Boston university. They have what's called, um, a health sector MBA. So essentially an MBA with a focus on healthcare, you know, life sciences, industry, you know, folks that kind of want to stay, stay in that space. Um, and so Boston was actually one of the cities that I had been very interested in. Um, and so lo and behold, there was an opportunity for me to actually move up to Boston. And, and that's what I did. The funny thing is that when you were moving from Philly to Boston for school, I was moving from Boston to Philly for school. Oh, we could have we could have swapped apartments. And <laughs> only we know. Right, right. Um, and so, so then you were pretty focused on what you were doing within your your business school experience. How I imagine business school to be quite different from law school. I say this based on watching my brother go through business school mm-hmm. and thinking. Why didn't I just start with business school? This looks really fun. <laughs> it, it was a it was a very different experience. Yeah. I mean, I I think part of it was that I was I was ten years older, right? You know, I started right. law school when I was twenty one years old. I was on the oh, young wow. side. I'd skipped a grade, so I I was young to begin with, right? Um, so I was almost ten years older. Um, I was more mature. I had, I had worked, I had had clients, I had a briefcase, you know, like I felt, I felt like, <laughs> right. I felt like a grown yes. up, right. Or, or more yeah. of a grown up. So I think the, the expectations that I had were a little bit different. Um, mm. business school by nature is just very different. It's much more focused on, on networking and kind of the right. social aspect and, um, everything that goes along with that. It's not nearly as competitive. So I think people are a little bit more collaborative. Um, mm-hmm. You also have more exposure, at least in my program, to what we call the PEMBAs or the part-time executives, so the evening students. Mm-hmm. And so you have more exposure to folks who are already working at industry and you kind of can learn from them as well. Um, and so that, all of that, you know, I really, I really enjoyed. Um, you know, again, I was within healthcare. Most of the classes that I was taking were general MBA, but there were some things focused on, on the health sector. Um, and so very quickly I said, you know, how do I start networking in this field and how do I start, uh, you know, meeting people in, you know, brand new school, brand new city, all of that, Mm -hmm. you know, how do I kind of start establishing some connections here? So, you know, I feel like I, I came in pretty, pretty focused, not necessarily on what is the company that I want to work for industry, but I was like, I am in the school, man to get a job coming out of school. Like that is my yep. job here for the next two years. You know, like the classes are great. The networking is great, but, but how do I set myself up for, for success coming out? Right. And sort of what was your approach to that? Was it, I would imagine more on the focusing on meeting people in fields you're interested in rather than getting an A, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, yeah, it was kind of both, you know, it's easy to get sucked in. I think for a lot of people, the majority of the other students, um, this was their first I, I don't mean to say this, you know, yeah. like their first like grad school experience. Right. So I think for a lot yeah. of people, it was that same hyper competitiveness, like, oh my God, I need to study 24 seven and, you know, and this is this. And I think I had a much more, um, laid back approach. I think some of the studying and the the work aspect came a little bit easier right. to me. And that was my wasn't, Even though I wasn't super focused on the grades, I ironically came out like with high honors and, and all of that, which was just kind of like hysterical at the end um so i actually ended I, get up it, doing... but I think it also goes to show you just what good trading law school is that you come in just kind of able to do that stuff in your sleep probably. absolutely i think it's it's the time management it's the organization yeah. and i think it's also the prioritization i mean i think that was a really 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 big component to it so you know the big joke is that i came out you know i had like killer grades in business school and you know the, the big joke is you know, in business school, I'm sure you've heard it. Like, you know, C is for cookie. Like everybody can get a C, you know, pretty much everyone gets a B or like everyone at least gets a C, like nobody's going to get below C. Um, everyone gets a B. Um, some people get A's. I ended up doing very well in, in business school. So I was very happy, but I definitely focused more, I would say on the, um, the networking piece. I realized very quickly that my school did not have a great, um, career services office. I was extremely surprised by that. Um, really disappointed, to be honest. I mean, I, I didn't expect anyone to hand me a job when I walked in to the building. Um, yeah. But I really thought that there would be more more support that way. 
um, especially yeah. as they were trying to build up this healthcare program, I really thought that there would be more. And so I figured out very quickly, all right, Alana, like this is, this is on you to figure out. Um, and so that's what I did. I just kind of started, you know, joining organizations and going to networking events and, you know, and that sort of thing and, and really taking it, um, taking it on my own. I think that's, that's one of the biggest differentiators for people who ended up being successful coming out with either, a, you know, a good job or a good job and then no job, um, is how seriously you took that aspect. I think a lot of folks really thought that going to career services would just kind of, you know, do the trick and they'd hand you somebody that graduated five years prior, they'd hook you up and that was it. Um, right. and we had a lot of people, you know, at, by the end of that first year, didn't, didn't have anything lined up for the summer or it wasn't until really, really late. And, and like, that would stress me out. That would really yeah. stress me yeah. out. So, so yeah, so I kind of approached that as, as my job, you know, this is yeah. my job for the first year. I think networking is so important, yeah. whether, whether you're in school or working and looking for another job, it's really the thing that's going to both enlighten you as to what you might be interested in potentially mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and make those connections that might open doors that you can't even anticipate when you go to the event or go to the lunch or whatever absolutely. it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, with things like LinkedIn and, and all of that, which I think was just kind of blowing up at the time, you know, that has made all of it so much, so much more accessible and so much easier. And um, yeah, and I think it kind of tapped into something that I naturally enjoy, which is, mm-hmm. which is building relationships and meeting new people and things like that. So I think that kind of came a little bit easier to me. Yeah. Which is lucky, you know, I think not everybody has that particular strength. So, uh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, it's, but it's definitely, if you have it, lean into it because it's really useful. Yeah, yeah agreed. agreed. <laughs> um, so, so then coming out, you did all this networking and then you landed where? Yeah. So the summer between my first and second year, um, I got an internship at a company which was called Depuce Fine. Um, it was one of the medical devices, medical device companies of Johnson and Johnson, right? So like I knew about JJ, reputation, big company, all those sorts of things, and thought it would be a really good kind of entry point into into industry, into a company, certainly a, a company like J and J. Um, and so had met someone kind of through networking in the, in the winter spring, um, ended up interviewing. And so in, um, interned at the company that summer, great experience. It was kind of my first exposure really to, to industry as opposed to, you know, academia or the other side. Um, it was a great experience, really liked the people that I worked with. They ended up, um, extending my internship during the year. And then I ended up getting a full-time offer with them coming out of school. So it just kind of naturally, naturally rolled into the next thing. Yeah. So, and then, so how long were you there for? Uh, so I'm actually still there. So, yeah. you know, it's funny. I, I had kind of one legal job, you know, my entire career. And then I've actually been with J&J since graduating in, two, uh, what year? 2011. When I say it out loud, it actually sounds like a very long time. It doesn't seem like that long. I know. Cause I graduated from my master's program in 2011 and that's when I moved to New York for my current job. And yep. I, so I completely understand being like, what? Yeah, you start like, counting on your fingers and you're like, oh my gosh, that's actually like eight years now. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's been great. You know, I've had a number of different sort of roles. Um, so I've done kind of, you know, I'll try to use less like, although I can use MBA speak with you as well, but I've done kind of the, the downstream commercialization of, of products and product marketing. I've done the upstream product development. So basically making, mm-hmm. so we make a whole bunch of ortho, orthopedic devices, right? So they're used for people who've had everything from a compression fracture, which is like a, a break in your vertebral body, you know, typically very old people. It could be a knee replacement. It can be a hip replacement. It can be basically everything having to do with the joints, um, orthopedic surgery and neurosurgery, my company handles. Um, so really restoring activity and balance, um, restoring quality of life, you know, children who have terrible, um, scoliosis, spinal deformities, you know, some really, really, um, intense, uh, conditions our our customers, our surgeons treat. So, um, really rewarding work when you see what these implants and what these instruments can do when you speak to the surgeons and they talk about the patients that they have, um, really great company, really impactful work. I feel like that's been the nicest part about what I've done um, is that you can kind of see see the touch points. You can see the end result. You know, the company is really good about sharing um, patient testimonials. 
and sharing, um, you know, what, what the products have done for them, you know, whether it's a senior citizen who's now able to actually play with their grandkids, right. And before they were immobile, you know, whether it's a young girl who had this, you know, huge, you know, rods and screws all the way up and down her back, but she can stand up straight before, you know, before she had, she had lung issues and, and breathing issues and all these sorts of things. Um, so I think that's been probably the single best thing about my company is that, you know, you really feel like everything that we do serves, serves patients in the, in the right way, in the ethical way, and in the best way. Um, and so I feel like I, I kind of keep, keep coming back to that, um, both for what I do now and, and next steps, right. Is I want to make sure that I still have kind of that, that touch point to patients. Um, so I've done, <laughs> what is it that you do? <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I had an, you know, a number of these different roles. So there was kind of the commercialization piece, which is figuring out like, okay, we have this product now, how do we actually sell it? I did the upstream piece, which is, okay, let's work with surgeons and, and engineers to actually make the stuff. Um, uh, I did strategic marketing, which is what part of the market do we want to play in? How do we figure out what the future is going to look like? So we know what stuff to make. Um, and then most recently I moved into a team called strategic alliances. So basically my team partners with either other J and J companies or outside companies to basically bring in new products, technology, business models, um, to partner with our orthopedics company. So basically there might be a small technology company that's coming up with some new device that helps measure, um, how an implant is going to be put into a knee, Right. They might want to partner with J&J because we have kind of the, the sales and the professional education and the marketing beast of our company, and they want to leverage the strength that we have, right? And the, the customer relationships that we have. So my team actually comes up with these kind of creative deals um, to figure out how do we kind of um, bring value to both companies. Um, and so that's what the Alliance team does. So we've, you know, we've grown over the last few years. Um, and it's been great. You know, what's been a little bit challenging is when people ask, you know, like my mom has asked me 10 times, you know, my parents have asked, you know, what, what do you do again? <laughs> like, can you, can, and that kind of comes back to the whole thing. Like when I was a lawyer, I would explain it in one sentence here. I feel like I need, you know, three paragraphs and a PowerPoint to kind of explain what I do. Um, but that's okay. But that's okay. Um, and so, you know, build these partnerships, um, and it's been great. I feel like one thing that I've, I've grappled with since being in industry is, you know, how do I kind of use my legal brain a little bit more? Um, when my folks would ask me, you know, in years prior, like, so do you, do you use your law degree at all? And they would have this like hopeful, you know, look on their faces and I would, you know, like kind of fib a little bit. And I would say, yes, mom, you know, they have me taking a look at, you know, X, Y, Z, but that, that wasn't totally true, right? Like I didn't, I, you know, I had an MBA and I was surrounded by other MBAs and, and other professionals. And the fact that I had a JD, it was, it was kind of like, oh, that's, that's cool, Alana. Um, but it wasn't necessarily something that I leveraged on a day-to-day basis. Um, since moving into this role, it's definitely been different. I think it's been something that my managers and my directors have, have valued. I think it's something that they found to be really attractive about me when they were hiring me for this role. And it's also something that I've been able to bring to this job um, that nobody else can on my team. Right. Um, so even though, you know, like the big, you know, disclaimer in, in the podcast right now is like, I do not serve as counsel for J&J. Right, right. <laughs> I do not sign anything Esquire. Um, I'm not filing anything on behalf of the company. Um, but I do try to try to liaise a little bit more with our um, in-house legal team um, and try to provide maybe a little bit of, of insight or you know, some commentary on the deals and things like that. Um, and so it's, it's indirect, um, but it's there. But that's, it, yeah. I think, I think that definitely still counts as using your law background. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, there, absolutely. I think a lot of people sort of function in the gray area of it is very helpful to have had this background, but I'm not technically practicing law. Right. Uh, I mean, I fall into that category as well at this point, but, you know, I think it's, it's still, you're bringing a way of thinking about problems mm -hmm. that other people haven't been trained to think that way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think thinking about, you know, roles for me in the future and, and all of that, you know, when you think about diversity of teams, right? Like you don't want a team that's all, that's all PhDs. You don't want a team mm -hmm. that's all biomechanical engineers. You don't want a team, you know, everyone can kind of bring something a little bit different. And, and so I think that's what I've tried to, to emphasize is, you know, here's something that I can bring that's a little bit unique 
um, because there there isn't a lot of that in these sorts of teams. Um, yeah. It is a more unique background, and so I think I've tried to to leverage that and, and highlight that when I can, you know, without yeah. you know introducing myself as you know Alana Gottlieb Esquire, right. you know, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, oh my God, yeah. Or even worse, uh, Doctor Alana Gottlieb. I did know somebody from law school who introduced himself as Doctor. I mean, a JD doesn't right? get you the right to call yourself a doctor. Right? But, but I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it, it's a doctorate. <laughs> so he would introduce himself as a doctor. I was like, I would immediately never hire that person. I, I agreed. <laughs> agreed. Right? I could be like, can you do CPR? If not, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, should not exactly. be introducing yourself as a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious, sort of, from an, a work environment point of view, what's it like to work at? sort of a big, huge corporation, although in a smaller subsection of it, mm-hmm. um, compared to working at a big law firm. What are your sort of, what do you observe as the differences in oh, man. culture um, and environment? Oh, it's like night and day. Yeah. Uh, I will preface it with, you know, I wasn't at like, you know, one of the huge mega firms. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't speak to what it's like to, you know, shower and sleep at the office, you know, 50% right. of the days and, and anything like that. Um, but it was intense. I mean, I would definitely say that I have better work-life balance. Um, I work very, very hard, but I don't have the billable hour thing in the back of my mind. You know, when people mm-hmm. ask me if, I'm, if I'll ever go back to practice, I, I like break out in a sweat thinking about billable <laughs> hours. Um, and when you're in it, that's just the way that life is. You know, if you have to take that long lunch or if you stand and have coffee with someone, you're thinking about like, all right, that's another point two that I have to make up. You know, if you take a vacation day, you're like, oh man, that's 10 hours that I have to make up. You know, that's constantly running in the back of your mind. And it's a really arbitrary um, way of measuring yourself, right? Like I get it. That's the way that you, you do it because that's how you build clients. And I get that. But, you know, I always think back to the first review that I had as an associate. And I remember coming into the managing partner's office and he only had one criticism for me. He said, your work is excellent. Clients love you. The partners love you. He had one criticism for me. And he said, you bill too honestly. And I said, okay, tell me what that means. And he said, you know, have you ever thought about work on the way to work as you're walking? Have you ever thought about work in the shower? And I was like, well, that's a weird question, but that's, that's besides the point. Um, But he said, you know, have you ever thought about work? Uh, you know, as you're walking, have you ever thought? And he started explaining to me all of these ways of, um, you know, of billing and let's just call them creative practices. And right. and that was the ding that I got that year, right? Um, and I was like, man, this is yeah. this is a racket. I, I had a similar experience. I went in for my first year review, and similar. Uh, you're great. Everyone loves you. Your work is is great. Um, your bonus is not very big because you just met your required hours you know if the bonus were based on quality yours would be number one but it's based on hours and I just looked at them and said how does that make yeah that is an insane incentive system yes yes well that's exactly right that's exactly right and my react my reaction was I think they wanted my reaction to be okay I'm gonna work all these extra hours my reaction is I will continue to meet my basic minimum and I will take all of my vacation time it was it was crazy I mean that that's the way that you're measured I just I, I think I principally just always had a really hard time with that um, I'm with you on that. And I feel I'm like now you. I, so, I mean, there, there's a lot of differences, right? I find that my work environment is very, very collegial, very cooperative. People are respectful of one another. Um, some of that might be just a function of my team. Some of that might be a function of Johnson & Johnson just being a, a, a great place to work, honestly. Um, but I think there's a lot of things kind of in legal practice that you get used to that, mm-hmm maybe are not like normal outside of that bubble. Um, and <laughs> yeah. you know, you can get used to anything, right. The good and the bad. And so I think, um, you know, stepping outside of that was, was really a breath of fresh air. Um, and I think when people ask me, you know, do I regret it? Do I regret the change? Um, I don't, you know, maybe there's, there's 1% of me that does because I liked, mm-hmm. I liked litigation. I liked being in court. I liked the showmanship of it. You know, all of that yeah. I liked, but I would say from a, from a life balance, from a, a purpose, um, perspective. Um, I'm, I'm much happier. You know, I, I think I've been able to figure out how do I, you know, obviously fast forward 10 years, I now, you know, I'm married and have a family and, you know, all that good stuff. And, 
And I think about the challenges that I would have if I was still doing that job. Um, There's plenty of people, you know, I'll give credit to to friends that I have on, on Facebook and LinkedIn that are, that are partners at firms now, you know, 12 years later, they made it to partner and, and they're killing it. And they're, they love being a lawyer. You know, if they could get lawyer like tattooed all over their bodies, they would because they, they love it and they thrive and they're amazing. And they're also amazing at everything else that they do, you know, whether it's like, you know, uh, spouse and kids or whether that's running marathons or volunteering or pets or, you know, like they're amazing at all of it. Um, I just don't know that that would have been me. I think there would have been a little bit more drudgery that went along with it. Um, you know, for the 5% of the showmanship and the court time that you have, there's the 95% of the Westlaw and the brief writing and, and everything else. Um, yeah. so I feel like that was a really long answer <laughs> to what your no, question no. was. Yeah, it was great. Cause I actually had a few more questions <laughs> and you were going through them as if you were reading my mind. Um, no, I, you know, I think, I think part of it is, is recognizing that there are, there are people who go to law school and practice and it is, it's just sits with them, right? The partner I worked with at the firm was amazing. He was such a great guy, had family, was, he managed to just, he lit up every time he came into work. Mm. I was just like, this guy loves yeah, what he yeah. does. And it's great. And he's a really nice person to work for, but I don't feel like that. Yeah. <laughs> like when I quit, he's like, oh, is it, was it us? Yeah. What am I going <laughs> to, what, what am I going to tell my family? I'm like, it's not you. It's not the firm. I just, I look at you and I'm not, I don't ever see myself yeah. being like that as a partner. Yeah. I'm just being realistic. And so I think, you know, it may take us each a different amount of time to realize which side of that fence we're on, mm-hmm. but just be okay. It's okay if you're on either side of that fence. And um, I think what's funny also is that, you know, I remember before I moved from Philadelphia up to Boston, you know, we had like a little going away thing. Um, and one of my friends who had a lot to drink, although he would say it, with nothing to drink, yeah. but he was, he kept going on and on about how courageous I was and how much mm. he hated work and hated his job. And he's like, but I don't know how to do anything else. And I don't know what I would do. And you're so courageous and you're making this change and you're trying something new. And he, he's actually messaged me several times since I've moved up here asking yeah. about, you know, what I've done and how I found the change and what am I doing? And, you know, just kind of pinging me a little bit for, um, you know, with some, some questions or some advice or things like that. And, and I, in no way would consider myself a courageous person that way. I, like I said, very risk averse change, change scares me. Um, I like being good at what I'm doing and to be good at what you're doing, you need to kind of stick with what you're doing. Right. Um, when you go on to do something else, you are by nature of the fact, probably going to be bad at it at first. Um, and so I, I, you know, keep thinking about, you know, this basic, like, accounting principle of some costs, right? You know, you can't think about the last five years. You can't think about those costs as any, um, correct variable in making a big decision in your life. And, and I think oftentimes we, we lawyers love to look at their past. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's something like they should teach the concept of some costs in law school for this. I think everybody (laughs) might just walk out. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, we, we have this fallacy and I think it applies not just to lawyers, but I think, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, we just do in our brains, but we think about, you know, how much time we've dedicated and why and how hard it was and, and you get stuck in that path. And then, you know, whether it's a bad job or a bad relationship, but you're like, well, I've been with this guy for two years, you know, what am I going to do now? But then the next year it's like, well, it still sucks, but I've been with him for three years. (laughs) Right. So, you know, and then you just, yeah, then you'd be a year into Yeah, exactly. And so I think that that, you know, I was, I'm, I'm so grateful that I got laid off when I did, because I feel like I, had I not, I probably would have stuck with it. And whether it was at my firm or another firm, I would have said, you know what, I'm doing this. I'm good at it. Um, I'm just going to keep doing it. And that's okay. And that's, and that's who I am. Right. Um, and so I think that, that was a big point for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know, looking back, I mean, it's hard to say because some decisions, I guess, were made made for you. Mm-hmm. But what, looking back to your, you know, self ten years ago, or someone who might be in a similar place now, what what would be sort of the big piece of advice that you would give them? Hmm. Uh, I would probably say um, no decision is permanent. 
Mm-hmm. I have this, um, you know, fear way of thinking sometimes that like, you know, all right, this decision that I make, like, this is it. It needs to be the best, the most perfect decision with 100% of the information because this is it, yep. right? Like if I take this new, this is it. In reality, there are very few decisions in life that are irreversible. And you don't learn about a new thing until you try it. Um, You make a decision. If it's not the right decision, then you make another decision, right? And hopefully it's within your hands. So I would say it's it's that um, nothing, nothing is permanent, right? Like if there's something that you're thinking about, you know, to have a little bit of, um, you know, faith in yourself um, that you're making the right decision now and that you'll make the right decision again you know, if and when you have to. Um, and I have to keep saying that to myself now, you know, when I think about future opportunities and things like that, I have to, um, I have to keep reminding myself of that because that's not my nature. I look around at some people, you know, whether it's colleagues or friends who, you know, make these like super cool, amazing, courageous choices. Um, whether it's a new job or a startup or moving to a new place of the world, you know, all of these things that I look around and I'm like, Oh man, I wish I could do that. You know, um, but just having, having that faith in yourself, um, that you'll, you'll be okay. Yeah. And I think that's really important because like you said about your friend who's sort of was saying that you're so courageous. The truth is that many of us who have made changes would not put ourselves in that category. We still, I still, still don't battle with that category. Yeah, I, yeah. Don't, I, I certainly don't. And I still battle with these things. And half the things I'm telling other people are just things I keep drilling into my own head. Yeah. So it's not like anyone has all the answers. It's just that, you know, some of it is accepting that you're going to be a little uncomfortable and doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, but it's not because people who you or I or anybody else I've talked to has made a change is so fundamentally different. Mm -hmm. We're all the same breed of nerd, right? You know, and (laughs) we're just trying to figure it out. (laughs) And I, you know, I was at, um, uh, you know, some meeting that we had had a couple, a couple of years ago and somebody gave, you know, the, like the mandatory 30 minute talk about, you know, career and career development and things like that, right? Like over any three day meeting, you'll have your, your 30 minutes on career development. Um, and so, he was saying that, you know, there's really kind of two approaches and he and his colleague um, mentioned there are two approaches to taking new jobs, right? And the first said, you know, by switching the least amount of variables in my next job move, I will maximize my opportunity for success. And he said, that's how I approach my career uh, trajectory is, you know, by switching the least amount, that's how I'll be successful. His colleague, you know, gentleman to the right said, you know, by switching the most amount of variables, that's how I maximize my opportunity for growth. Right. And right. he said, I, I take a different approach. He said, I try to change as many of those things as I can, because I know that I'll learn the most in that particular role. And so I think it's, yeah. that made me think a lot about who I am as a person and who I want to be. Um, because it's true. Both of them are, are, are valid. And they both were very high level people in the company. So clearly everything that they have done um, has served them well. Um, But I think it's just kind of thinking through, you know, what, what are you looking to do? What's interesting to you? um, How much kind of appetite you have for that change? Um, Because it's hard, you know, it's hard when you're, excuse me, when you're good at something and you're comfortable, it's hard to think about something different. Um, And I think that's kind of just the nature of, you know, everyone, lawyer or otherwise, you know, thinking about next steps in in career. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that's great advice to, there are different ways to make changes and find one that resonates with you rather than deciding it's all too much and I'm just not going to change at all. That's, that's exactly right. I think sometimes there's just, you know, I found this, you know, with, with my background, you know, there was kind of like the whole world open. You know, you can, you can do anything with a JD and while that's great. And while so many people would say to me like, oh, that's amazing. You could go do X, Y, Z. And they would name 10 different things. I would kind of get paralyzed by that because, and I would be like, no, 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 just, just tell me one thing. Just give me one thing that I should do. You can tell me what it is. That would be great. Um, but it's a little bit overwhelming to think about those options sometimes. And so I think just kind of coming back to like, it's not forever. Um, it's just the next step. 
you know, and whatever that is, you know, for better or worse, you then, you then make another step. And, you know, I think we're all kind of struggling with like, what do we want to be when we grow up? Maybe we figure it out. I'm I'm envious of the people that, that have figured it out. Um, and they can give their answer in one sentence. Um, maybe that'll be me one day. Maybe it won't be, um, maybe it'll still take me three paragraphs in a PowerPoint. Um, but I'm becoming more comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. And as, as we've just said, it's, it's a journey and we may have made shifts. Doesn't necessarily mean it's the final shift. Mm -hmm. It's just about being thoughtful and about what, what future decisions you're making. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I really, as I was thinking about kind of the, the purpose of this, this podcast, I think you've really tapped into something really important. You know, I think there's a, a whole lot of lawyers out there. You know, it's interesting. There's more people graduating law school. I wish I had like the exact numbers, but there's more yeah. people graduating law school now, but fewer people actually practicing law Yeah. than ever before. I, so that, that makes sense. I, I do sometimes wonder why people keep going to law school. <laughs> right? the like talk to the but, rest of us. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, my, my, my position isn't that law school is, is terrible and people should stop going because you know I feel this way and everyone I've talked to feels this way that they actually had a good experience in law school it's just I think people need to be given the permission that the path they're on does not need to be their path forever correct (laughs) correct it's not always linear uh, and yeah absolutely yeah and and uh hopefully you know, all the different stories of people doing different things, something will resonate with each person listening to go, oh, okay, that, that person's journey makes sense to me, yeah. you know? And I, I think whether so. it's, you know, whether it's in law school or, or out of law school, I mean, I think the best thing that, that people can do, and I'm still doing it. Listen, I do informational interviews all the time to learn yeah. about people's roles and what do they do and what, what do they like and not like. And I, I think it's just on us to, to be learning about what those different roles are, because yeah. I didn't know what alliance management was you know, right. like six months before I joined this team, I didn't know anything <laughs> about the role, right? There's probably going to yeah, be a role yeah. that exists in a year from now. Um, maybe it existed, maybe it's brand new, but maybe I'd be a good fit for that role in a year. Right. And so I think it's always just kind of um, keeping yourself marketable, um, continuing to learn and, and talking to people, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it sounds like you're doing a great job of just being engaged in your own trajectory. You can't just sit there and let it happen you have to drive your own progress. Some, some days I'm driving, some days I'm a little <laughs> asleep at the wheel, but <laughs> you know, it's true of all of some us, days but... I'm locked in the trunk, but that's, that's all right. We're, we're all human. Right. right. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you so much. This has been such a fun conversation and I think has so many nuggets of wisdom. And um, I really, I appreciate you taking this time out of your what I know to be a busy day to, to chat with. Me. Well, thank you very, very much for having me. I'm excited to see, I know that you're just kind of kicking off the whole podcast, but I'm excited to see yeah. kind of what it turns into and um, all the different avenues that you can go down with it as well. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. <laughs> okay. Bye, Megan. One of the first pieces of advice Alana gave that I think is really great is to break out of this competitive complaining. I think we're all probably guilty of this. God knows I have been. But if you're really unhappy with your job, put that energy into thinking about your next steps and plans. Wallowing in that negativity just isn't productive, and it's not likely to make you feel any better in the long run. Another point, the sunk cost principle. Okay, so when making a decision about the future, whether it's your career or a business decision... Think about the pros and cons moving forward. The amount you've already invested shouldn't be weighed in the column of staying the course. So the time and money you spent becoming a lawyer shouldn't be a factor in assessing whether you want to remain in practice. Slight nuance here for our situation. I mean, you, you may still be paying the debt of that investment off, and this job helps you do that. So in, in that sense, it would be a fair thing to consider in your decisions about the future, but you shouldn't let it factor in if it's just this feeling that it would be such a waste. Ilana also talked about different ways of feeling out your career path. You could change one variable at a time so you can clearly identify what it is you do and don't like, or you could change every variable at once and see what you learn from that. 
there's no right answer. It's just whatever makes sense to you. If making small adjustments allows you to move forward, that's great. If you think all those small adjustments would take a lifetime to lead to a good place and you want to mix it up all at once just because that's what motivates you, then great. Finally, I really liked how Alana said that you don't need to be courageous to switch career paths. You may be listening to the various stories and thinking that there's just something fundamentally different about my guests as compared to you. And I really don't think that's true. Most people are nervous and have to overcome their inherent risk aversion, but it's possible to. You just have to decide that you're willing to be a little uncomfortable in the short run. But wouldn't that be so worth it to end up in a job that you love five years from now? 